So it's the morning after the night before, and the Rovers have taken some degree of vengeance uh, after last year's SPFL Trust Trophy final with a 4-1 win over Hamilton. So why don't we talk about it? Uh, this is the Oh No 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 podcast. Uh, my name is Duncan Cameron. I am your host for today. And joining me on the podcast, first of all, we have Scott Fleming. Scott, how are you? Yeah, really good, mate. Cheers. Excellent. Uh, we also have uh, Blair Hopcroft is here. How are you, Blair? Very well, mate. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, John Greer's with us. How are you, John? I'm very good as well, guys. Fantastic. And as always, Robbie Weir rounds us off. How are you, Robbie? Yeah, I'm good. Much like Falkirk goalkeeper last night for the Dundee United goals. I'm just here to make up the numbers. So. <laughs> uh, brilliant. So um, we'll just dive straight into it. Uh, really strong performance last night. 4-1 win uh, over Hamilton. So Sam Stanton kicked us off. Uh, two goals from uh, Jack Hamilton and Dylan Easton rounded it up with uh, Dario Zanata with a particularly special goal for the uh, the other side. But let's uh, start at the start, and we'll start with um, John. Give us just a little bit about the kind of starting lineup for that game. I know I think the particular omission, particular surprise was probably the lack of Scott McGill. Um, but a couple other changes. So Adam Masson came in, and uh, I think as expected, we saw both Jack Hamilton and Jamie Gullen as well. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was um, a great decision by the manager to freshen the team up. Um, you could see very early on that both Jamie Gullen and uh, Jack Hamilton were eager and uh, keen to get going, and and they showed that in their play. Um, I was at Stats Park on Thursday, and I saw um, Scott McGill in a moon boot, so he kind of, I don't know if it's a, a kind of sprained ankle, so I knew he was no chance of playing, but they were the way they were talking, it's not a serious thing. And I saw him walking about uh, last night, so so he's fine. But I thought the starting lineup was really good. Sam Stanton again was was one of the star men. Um, I thought he was brilliant, linking forward. The energy he shows is is great. And uh, all in all, I thought it was a good, good a, a brilliant team performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Blair, for you, uh, in terms of that starting lineup, you're quite happy with what you saw and then um, how the game began? Yeah. <clears throat> so, I, I well, I was actually not very happy when I saw the starting lineup at, at the beginning because I thought my match prediction was completely out the window. Um, I thought there was going to be quite a few changes. I mean, I thought we, we spoke midweek about Robbie Thompson playing. Um, I thought Callum Hanna might have actually started. Obviously, we were expecting Scott McGill um, to, to come in. Um, but yeah, when when I was on the bus through and the the starting lineup came out, I thought, by the way, um, we've got a really good chance tonight. Actually, um, the the game started pretty well, and I thought we we controlled it actually pretty well. Um, Scott Byrne in particular um, was particularly strong um, in the midfield. Um, Sean Byrne, sorry, well. he's not the Daily <laughs> Records journalist who provides all the transfers. His brother, his brother Scott had a good game as well. But um, no, Sean, sorry, I'm miles away. Sean was um was a, he was brilliant. He got a kind of a bit of a dig quite early on. Um somebody kind of left a wee bit on him. And it was that beautiful kind of cultured centre midfielder way of just going, I'm not gonna kick you back. I'm gonna nutmeg you three times and Cruyff turn you on the edge of my box. And it was it was beautiful. Um 
really strong starting lineup. It was good to see Gullen back in, good to see Hamilton back in. Um, and actually, in hindsight, when you think about it, this competition's been a bit of a nuisance at times because it's quite often midweek. But the way it's kind of fallen now, they, they kind of fall on these international breaks. So, I mean, we've got a big game next week. So actually, continuity is quite important. So, yeah, giving some of the boys a bit of a run, but actually, you don't need to rest players because we've got, you know, it's, a, it's, it's your weekend game. Um, ready for next week, so yeah, it was a, a, a strong lineup and um, obviously a really good performance. You're absolutely right about <clears throat> about Sean Byrne. That uh, first half in particular, I mean, it could could honestly be the best 45 minutes of an individual performance I've seen this season. Just yeah, was great. absolutely strolling around. Um, they couldn't get anywhere near him. Just, I think I've said it before. He looks like he plays the game in slow motion. Like, yeah. like, like he sees the game slower than everybody else, and he's just that step ahead. He's turning away, as you say. At one point, he was he was essentially the last man with a ball, mm-hmm. and just ice in his vein, just spins away and wanders off. Yeah. Um, and I think that really kind of set the tone for the first half. I don't think Hamilton played badly by any means in mm-hmm. that first half, but they just couldn't get to grips with the game um, with the way that. <laughs> Uh, Sean Byrne was was pulling the strings. Um, obviously, there was a goal very early on. Um, Sam Stanton, and I love the little finish. An excellent header, recurring theme, an excellent header from Aidan Connolly um, in the box. But um, Scott, why don't you talk us through that goal in a little bit more detail? I well, it, it, probably again, it comes to Ross Millen just with that sort of overlap and run that he he's been uh, known for doing in the recent seasons that he's been with us. And he, at times, he's he's only got these sort of two crosses. Uh, one, he absolutely fires across at, like, head height, and it just needs somebody to get someone on it, and it's in. Or he does this looping one that's got a touch of frost on it, and then it comes back down, and it'll land on somebody. I think Easton was at the back post battling with somebody for it, and then it has gone back up again. And I, I made a note of it going that Connolly's head and prowess has came again to lead to a goal and then yeah as you say that Stanton's managed to to get a nice finish into the bottom corner but it I mean I was looking at the box in the in the highlights of it again just going our players are tiny in that box compared to all the Hamilton players but yet we seem to be the ones that were either first to the header or actually just beating them in the air which kind of surprised me but no it was um it was good to see that because, uh, yeah, we were not known usually for these sort of headed uh, goals or goals leading from them sort of crosses. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I wanted to give a bit of credit to Dylan Easton there as well because, as you say, he's at that back post. That's not an easy one, and he does really well. I think it's um, Regan Tumulty that he beats in the air to get the header across, and then, as you see, it's, it's Aidan Connolly who's kind of heading it down. Um, I think they were looking for a handball there. In the in the middle of that, but looking at the highlights, I didn't think so. I, I thought he's he's standing his arm is out, but it's very much his chest, and he just takes it away from the defender, and and it's a good finish. Um, and again, very very well deserved from Sam Stanton. The amount of work that he's been putting in recently, very uh, very well deserved. Um, and then the the rest of that first half, I mean, not a huge amount of of kind of notable incidents in that. I think the pattern of that first half was very much the Rovers looked in control but uh, you're not not a huge amount kind of doing um, 
but I just wanted to to quickly touch on uh, Adam Masson and the way that he played in that first half because, uh, well, because he came off at halftime. I'm not going to be able to talk about him again. Um, in terms of Adam Masson, just generally, as well as in this 45 minutes, so I think he was, he had a bit of a tough time. He took a knock very early on, which is why they took him off. But we're likely to need him, I think, over the next um, the next couple of weeks. So, Robbie, why don't you give us your thoughts on on kind of Adam Masson so far and, uh, and how you feel he's done? Yeah, I, I think that it's um, it's always a difficult one because with players like Masson, they need the game time, but you can't send them out on loan because we need them on the bench. But then when we're second top of the league, we're competing in every game and it's very hard to, to find a, a sort of slot for the, the guy in the squad, um, especially when you've got the experience and how well Scott Brown's done at centre half. Um, I don't think it's a slight on Adam at all that, Scott Brown's been getting in the squad playing at centre half because he has done so well and he's looked so sort of resoundedly secure in that position, albeit we have conceded a few goals. Um so yeah, just um I think that there's a lot there to like about how Adam is and um he's got all the, the sort of physical attributes for it. It's just again, it's just really needing the game time, I feel like. Um and it's probably precautionary that we've taken him off and we've kept him on that basis that um He's, if he comes off at half time, we could use him in future games, maybe from the bench and being able to have that. But as well, it was great to see Dylan Corr as well come back into the squad, um, which will help us on that front. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I didn't expect that. Didn't expect to see Dylan Corr last night. That was a, a kind of pleasant surprise. Um, I don't think he was due to go back into full training until uh, till tomorrow. So um, good just to get him, get him a wee run out. I think he possibly only touched the ball once in about the last five, ten minutes that he was on the park. But um, yeah, big, big boost just to get him back just in terms of numbers uh, as much as that. I do wonder, actually, sorry, Duncan, that if that decision was maybe thrown on Murray after seeing McGill go down injured, if he thought, right, just get an extra body on the bench, it's a defensive option because... We've been using McGill as a defensive option usually, so I don't know if it was just partly down to that, but um, no, as you say, it was. It's it's good to see him back in amongst the squad, and hopefully, he's get another what week weeks of training, and then he should be possibly looking to maybe not start, but get more minutes anyway. Yeah, I think it's another option. On you go, player. I was going to say, I think the um, when you when you watch them out warming up, I always think you can tell the ones that are warming up with no real like potential of coming on they've usually got like their socks down they're no they're no kind of ready to come on if that makes sense and that was very yeah. much before he had the kind of white socks on no shinies um he was out kind of warming up with the, the rest of the boys and, and going for a run i think had the game not panned out the way that it did we probably wouldn't have seen him but you're four one up 10 minutes to go against 10 men I mean, you might as well chuck him on for, for 10 minutes and just get him, you know, a bit, of, a bit of air in his lungs and a bit of kind of running in his legs and, and get him going. Um, I think... I'm not being funny, but Blair, see, at that point, it's pretty much a training session when you're full oh. one up. As oh. soon as it goes in, it's pretty Thank much... Because the they, went, they went full and Postacoglio on us. Like, they, they, they went... Seriously, though, they went 2-1 down. They were down to 10 men. And he just kept chucking attackers on. I'm like, this could be six or seven. Like, and it, it could have been. But actually... We turned it into a bit of a training session. The whole second half, you can see that. Like there was one point, I know we'll get to kind of later on in the game, but there was one point on the hour far right. I think it was was it Easton and and Millen, maybe. I can't mind, but there was the two of them just passing it back and forward. 
just nobody came to them, so they just kept passing it back forward. And the defender just kind of looked at them like, ah, I'm going to have to go and shut you down. <laughs> It's the the thing from the the Batman Dark Knight Rises. It's like you merely embraced Murray Ball. We <laughs> yeah. uh, we created it. <laughs> that um, just a final point on Dylan Core. I don't know if if it was um, what crossed Ian Murray's mind. It might have, but it certainly crossed mine. When Jack Hamilton, he took Jack Hamilton off, and I thought, oh, we are not going to win another header until the, for the rest of this game. It's like the, the tallest boy left in the park. Possibly Callum Hanna might be tallest. He seems to be growing every time we see him. Yeah. Um, he'll be seven foot by the start of next season. And it was like, well, Scott Brown's maybe the next what like aye, right, okay, just Dylan, don't don't get involved in anything, but you might have to defend the corner. Um really pleased for Callum Hanna though, getting the aye. getting the forty five minutes. He had a couple of um a couple of really kind of shaky touches when he first started. Um, the ball came to him and got kind of caught under his feet a couple of times and kind of bounced off him a couple of times. He could see, he looked, it sounds terrible, he looked a bit nervous. Like you could kind of see it in him. And then there was one point, Tumulty came up, kind of came towards him and he put in a, a decent tackle and won the ball. And you could almost see like the shoulders go back and it was just, he was fine after that. Um, and the, the nutmeg on Tumulty, oh, that was glorious. It was also noticeable that um, when the ball was out of play, Murray was guiding him and talking him through it. But I think as well, I, I don't know if it was Jack Hamilton's second goal, the players went to him and really, it, it was good to see. They were kind of giving him a boost about his uh, contribution in the goal, which is good to see senior players going to a young boy and saying, you know, brilliant, you're part of the team now, good. I like the oh, way that yeah. they use them as well. The ball, like it's so easy. You you bring on a you know a nineteen year old left back. It's so easy because we we do that thing where you spread the ball left to right and you're then looking to move it forward. It's so easy for it to come to. I think it was Dick at that point that was playing the centre half on that side. It's so easy for him to come to him and just look inside for Sean or Scott Byrne, and then look for um, look for Scott Brown. Sorry, I've lost my train. I don't know. But look into the midfield. It'd be so easy to do that, but they didn't. They, they they push it out wide and they get them involved. And yeah, I, I just think it's really good that they're they're including them and they're they're kind of using them. It's not just a body, he's not just getting minutes. Um he I, played a part uh, of I think he's earning that and as well himself though, in terms of his intention. So I'm 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 so pleased because he's exactly the type of fullback that I like to have. I really like to watch because he's he's on the front foot all the time. And you see that where just the way, so when that happens, you know, Liam Dick plays the ball into him. He's opening his body by default. So he's almost pushing himself up the line. And I think that's what I mean by he's, like he's, he's earning that. Because if, you, if you're the centre half and every time you play out to your teenage left back, all he does is give you it back. You start thinking, well, I'm going to, I'm going to look for one of the burns in midfield because there's, uh, this is where I'm going to end up with it back anyway. But when you're you're playing it into the fullback and he's taking himself up the line, then then he's a legitimate option. And again, a couple of points in that second half where um, Callum Hanna plays the ball up the line to Dylan Easton. Dylan Easton does what he does, where he sort of tucks inside. And Callum Hanna, he's not he's not thinking about it. He's not having to worry about what's going on. He just knows he's like, right, I'm going. I'm gonna head into that channel. But like um, Scott McGill did. For the for the goal on um, on Saturday, he's just heading down into that um, into that channel. 
doesn't mean the ball's always going to come to him, but the intention is there. And as you say, when he just, um, he got one chance to really square up Regan Tumulty and went at him, put the ball through his legs. I was absolutely delighted. So, um, I think so good to see. People forget that Callum's, he's, he's not obviously had the game time that he'd, he'd want at this moment, but he's still a footballer and he's still that left back. And I think it's very easy for us to sort of like, almost like hyper-analyse and look at the situation and be like, he does this, does that, does that. In his head, he's just doing that innately. And he's just he's just a player that will just go out and that's his natural game. Um, very happy for him. Um, just with how things have panned out, it was the perfect opportunity for him to be able to go into that game. And I know Aki's of 10 men, but they've still got a very strong squad. Um, and Tomatey's... We've spoken about it before. He's quite comfortably one of the best uh, right backs in the lower leagues who will go at a player and try and find a weakness. So for but Callum's played against other players that have been of a very good standard from that level as well. He's played bounce games. I know that he was involved in the bounce game against Falkirk and he played against Aggieman and um, Callum Morrison. So I know it's a bounce game. They won't be taking it as seriously, but he has played before against very high caliber players, and there's no reason why he can't kick on. Um, if not this season, in the future, and do that. And I think that is, um, yeah, just really good to see. And I think that the more opportunities that come, the more comfortable you'll get in terms of a match environment experience and just grow into it. Um, and I think that's just the, the thing that we're just waiting for just now. So, yeah, fair play to him. Really happy yeah. to see it. Very happy again for all his family, as I always am when he gets on the pitch. Um, and just keen to see how things move forward. I don't think you can underestimate though the fact that we don't have reserve football. You're talking about yeah. bounce games there, but that's like a month ago. Spot on. Last time, it's the last time we played a competitive game. I mean, it's not even that competitive, but it's it's training. So yeah. it's not only is he. We talked um, last week with Queens Park about boys football and men's football and stuff, and that jump up. It's a big jump, but he's doing it without playing regularly. He's not playing football. Yeah, and it's training, and he's in. And I was speaking to his mum last night, and he's loving it. He's absolutely loving right. the opportunity he's got, but he's not playing football. And I think that's something that we need to, the club seriously needs to look at next season. I know that's kind of in the plans anyway. Yeah, they well, seriously yeah. need to get reserve football in. Like all these yeah. boys, Dylan Core, how do you how do you play him back into the team when you can't play? <laughs> you can't. Yeah. You can't chuck him in against them fairly. I think that's a hundred percent a brilliant point to make. That like, I th- he's played against Hearts B as well um, in a bounce game. I don't know about any other bounce games that have came up, but when you're restricted because of your injuries and you can't play the bounce games, you do need those extra bodies in there. Just younger lads, whether it's from the community foundation that are on trial, or whether it's players that you're getting in from other amateur clubs on trial, or just players without I mean, contracts. Just get them in and just give them a, an opportunity. Yeah. It works both ways as well. And I remember, I think it was actually one of Andrew Barrowman's interviews and he said they'd actually they'd have to cancel one of the bounce games they'd arranged because they just yeah. didn't have the numbers. So yeah. it's about getting yourself a, a set fixture list of reserve games and also actually having the numbers that you can put a reserve team together and then you're, you're getting the, the numbers in. It's a really difficult position when you're running the small squad because actually it's a risk at times to run additional games during the week. Um, yeah. But yeah, just just a, a final point on Callum Hanna. I think the thing is for me, stylistically, he's different to William Dick. And that in itself is an advantage. So setting aside his age and ability and all that kind of stuff. That game last night, we had an extra man 
after he came on, but we had an extra man. We'll talk about the red card in a second. Liam Dick is a very, very good defender. He's probably an average attacking player uh, as, as a you know as a left back. Callum Hanna to me looks like he's more inclined to get forward. So if you're playing a team from the division below and they're a man down, that's who you want. You want a more attacking left back. And if you take um, well before Callum Hanna arrived, we just didn't have that option. One left back, and he's more defensively minded. So it's just a huge advantage to have that option. It's the kind of thing that, again, if you're a goal down in a game going into the last 10 minutes, if you've got a more attacking left-back as an option, that is a legitimate option. And I think he absolutely will get the minutes as um, as time goes on. Um, but anyway, sorry, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the red card then. So I have my own thoughts on this. I'm interested to hear some others. Um, no, sorry, John, let's come to you first. So, like me, you were in the ground. What did you think at the time, and have you had a chance to see it back on the replay? Yeah, um, first of all, I have to say, um, I thought I thought Hamilton, part of their game plan was to be physical with us. Um, the, the challenge that Adam Masson got really early on, I thought was a wee bit naughty. The guy kind of left one on him. Um, and there was other other challenges in the game where I think they thought, oh, they're a nice footballing team. Let's let's see if they how they react to um, getting getting a wee bit foot and left on us sort of thing. And I thought I thought the time was it a red card. Um, I wasn't too sure whether it was a red card. I knew it was certainly quite naughty in the the fact that it was a high foot. Round about the hip area, um, the guy had no attempt to play the ball. It's probably one of these ones that you think, well, by by the intention, it is a red card. But I was quite surprised when he gave it pretty quickly. Um, having watched it back, I've not changed my opinion very much. Um, I still think it probably is a red card. Um, I, I, I just thought, I'd get the guy off. <laughs> I think we can all agree to that. Um, same question to you. What did you think at the time, and, and what do you think, having seen it back? At the time, honestly, I thought it was soft. Um, I, I didn't see it as a red. They kind of came together. It was quite kind of far over. Um, obviously, we were behind the goals, and it was um, other side um, at the halfway line kind of thing. And I didn't think there was a lot in it. Gullen went down. But again, we spoke about the Ewan Murray one and you're looking at the reactions. Nobody really argued. Nobody kind of came back. The Rovers players also didn't crowd around the referee. And, but then at the same time, the ref went straight to the pocket. Like There was no hesitation. There was no moment of, of thinking and deliberating. He went straight to the pocket. Having watched the replay, it's a stupid tackle. I've no idea what he thinks he's doing, why he's doing it. We're not going anywhere. We're not, we're not on the break. Do you know what I mean? There was plenty of cover. And he's just, he's coming really high. It was a bizarre, bizarre moment. And it, I kind of, <clears throat> I, I watched the highlights, but obviously without watching the full game, I was thinking back, like, was there anything before that? Had You know, Gullen kind of had a wee niggle with him, but I can't think of anything, any reason why he would be angry. But yeah, really stupid. Really, really stupid tackle. That's, that's fair, Sorry, Duncan. Yeah, fair, uh, was it Lee Kildee that got sent yes, off? Yeah. He just seemed to accept it and and walk off. Normally, you would have a 
a bit of an argument about it, but yeah. he just seemed to accept it and walk off. The only thing he had a problem with was whatever Easton said to him. So Easton's yeah. obviously said something because he walked past Easton and yeah. he was just kind of trudging off. And then you see him turning. I'm thinking Easton's called him something there. But yeah, bizarre. That's, so like, I was scribbling my notes and then that's I wrote stupidity slash laziness. Mm. And I think it's just so. So at the time. And, and, and again, my track record for judging red cards live this week has not been great. I've got a, a zero for one record so far, and I'm, I'm going to up it to, to zero for two because my initial thought was the same as you. I thought that's, that looked harsh to me. His foot is yeah. very high. That was very clear. But I was like, he's no, there's no real, you know, power into it. It's not like he's clattering a gullin. If anything, Gullin's running past him and, and he brings his foot up. But then seeing it back and you just think, you you deserve to be sent off for that because it's, it's 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 stupidity and it's laziness. He's just no chance of winning the ball. All he can see is, oh, Jamie Gullen's getting away from me here. And he's just kind of thrown his leg up. It's incredibly high when he catches him. And actually, referees are absolutely no doubt. And he doesn't even bother arguing with it. He's just, he's straight off, which actually, again, surprised me a little bit. It's the kind of one that I think in the moment, I think you would want to, I, I would have thought you would want to argue about but um, it's also equally though the kind of one that there is not a chance you're going to bother appealing that. Like no. you just you yeah. can see exactly why the referees made the decision, even if you did kind of disagree with it. Um, Scott, Robbie, we'll come to you as well. Get your thoughts on this. Uh, Scott, first of all, anything to to add on that red card? Um, yeah, I mean when I when I seen it first time round, I kind of just thought. I, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to get... When he ran over the ref, I thought, oh, it's going to be a yellow, but it could be a red. Just with how, as you guys have said, how high it was. And I knew he hadn't, like, properly caught Gullen because Gullen wasn't rolling around for ages, like, as if he'd been shot or anything. So it was... You kind of you kind of thought, right, he's not completely clattered in him. Because I think, actually, when I seen it on the highlights this morning... I think had he actually connected one, well, Gullen could have taken a real sore one with how high it was. Like it could have been whether it was his knee or his thigh. I, I'm not sure because the uh, Gullen's like back is to the camera, but it it could have been quite um, dangerous had he properly connected. But to be honest, I, I think had that been the other way around, and had it been for us, like obviously you and Murray last week, you can see it a yellow, you can see it a red, but at the same time you can't really complain if the referee goes, well, nah, I think it's too dangerous. So, no, nah, not too many complaints from my side anyway. And, uh, Robbie, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's when I I was tuning in from uh, through Rafe TV and Jim and Neil were both, like, straight away, they were very adamant that it was, like, correct decision a red card very stupid tackle and i think that i'm going to guess that they would have been in the main stand um with sort of the press were they not no they were uh, they were that's jim put a thing on facebook saying that it's the first time he's ever sat above the temporary stand so they ah, were, right okay they were over that side of the pitch so they would have had the angle that you just see kill the Absolutely melting Gullen. So they probably had the worst angle out of everyone in the stadium. Um, in yeah, exactly. Um, the referee, I think, from the angle that he's seen it, would probably be a reverse of that. So you're straight away coming over with a red card. What was interesting is on our um, pitch side cam, you kind of look at it and you can see how high he is and you yeah. think, oh, 
as Scott rightfully mentions, if that connects a bit heavier, then you're looking at a very serious muscle muscle injury, probably. Um, whether it's going to be sort of the quad or the hamstring or anything. Well, but, you did you say very serious mush? <laughs> muscle, no muscle injury. Don't know where you, what you looking at. Risotto, <laughs> what's going on? Um, but I, it's just one of those ones where there's no real justification for what he's done, and as Blair mentions, straight away, straight off down the tunnel, no complaints. Um, and I feel it was the correct decision because it was just a daft tackle. I think what played into it for me as well, I felt the ref was a wee bit trigger happy. The, the Connolly booking wasn't a booking for me. Um, it was one of them quite early on in the game. I mean, yeah, I think by the letter of the law, it's probably a booking, but it's one of them you just want the ref to just slow it down. Even the Barjonas one, I'm not entirely... Actually, I'd go as far as to say the Jack Hamilton one. I don't think any of the bookings were really particularly yeah. necessary. I think the the the, the second to Burjonas and Hamilton he has to give because he's given Connolly's. I think he made yeah. that one for his own back. But it, I think was Connolly's booking was that before the goal? Was that yeah. it was certainly it was early. No, just after. Just, just after, after the goal. Yeah. But yeah, I thought the same thing in terms of like so. But what if it's O'Connell's holding the guy's jersey? So first of all, he's think, well, that's stupid. It's different if you're trying to win the ball. But he was just filling him, and it was near the edge of the box. But it was so early that I think I. I don't think he no. needs to book him, and as soon as he does, he's then going to have to give out more over the he course of the game. Yeah. But can I say, guys, I've, I've written down McGowan and McDonald. We both seem to get away with, well, you know, as the game's going on, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's about six fouls each of these have committed, and none of them, he hasn't booked either of them, because I thought, I thought McGowan was trying to be the hard man, and and bully Jack Hamilton, and I think Hamilton got the better of him and with the two goals. But the referee seemed to be very lenient with these two. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, I think after we scored, I know we'll get to the goals, but I think after we scored the third, I think the ref just thought, nah, like because it, it, it just, I think he booked O'Hara right after we scored because they were complaining. Um, about Jack Hamilton's goal, which I know we'll get to. So O'Hara gets booked for dissent, effectively. And then actually there's never another booking after that. And I think it's because the game just slowed down to the point where it was like a training game. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's let's get to the goals. Goals are more fun than, than red cards yeah. and bookings. Um, so the second goal, um, I'm, I want to give a lot of credit to Jamie Gullen for, yeah. for his part in the second goal. And, and just generally um, for the way that he played yesterday. So... Obviously, we've, we've talked before, I've talked at, at great length about Jamie Gullen and how much he, he kind of peels off into the wings and he peels off into the space, which in itself is not a not a, a bad thing. But at times we've seen it when we've really needed him to be in the middle. Last night with Jamie Ham- with uh, sorry Jack Hamilton very much as the focal point, I thought Jamie Gullen was excellent in terms of playing that support role and he wasn't going everywhere. And I think the goal is the perfect example because he's right where he would want him to be. It's a really good header and a really good save. Um, and then Jack Hamlet does very well just to kind of keep his head in that melee in the, the six-yard box and, and uh, kind of who, stab that into the goal. Who was it that... Because um, if you notice, one of our players, and I can't remember who it was uh, off the top of my head, but the ball sort of falls in the stromash and they can sort of see that they're in the way... Oh. 
of things. And but, and, but he just yeah. casually steps aside and just says, no, nope, this is, I can completely see that this is for you. And Hamilton takes it like half a second to sort of say, actually, this is like pretty much a free goal. And then just slots it home. It's great. You're just thinking, aye, that's what you need. Because sometimes you have players and they'll sort of, I know we've spoken a bit about much. Uh, sometimes players can do a bit too much and hold on to the ball for a bit too long. This was the opposite. This was very much like an altruistic football goal of, I can't do anything here. I'm just going to fuck off and get out of your way. Go and score. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's Sam Stanton and he just throws his arms in the air um, yeah. as if he thinks uh, like he could be off. It's obviously, it's not the case. It's like when you see a player who knows he's offside. Stanton just throws his arms in the air and looks at Jamie. Uh, Jamie Ham- what the hell? Jack Hamilton. <laughs> Can we get players with more distinct names, please? We all do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Eric, who else wants to talk about that goal then? Someone else can come in. Yeah, but that... Yeah, the thing is, that that, that showed great vision by Sam Stanton saying, look, I could just get in the way here, but I'll just leave it to you. Um, It was a good wee run by, by Aidan Connolly, put the ball over, good header, as you say. I actually... At the time, I, I was surprised the goalkeeper got the header because I thought that's going in here. There is they they also have a wee bit of a, a moan about a, a possible handball by Sam Stanton, but again, it doesn't look very clear. Uh, but good finish. Yeah, I think the point you raised, Duncan, about um, Jack or Jamie Gullen um, is that um, I think the shape has changed the last couple of weeks of the team. So we've played this kind of 4-2-3-1 and I think when when we've had Gullen as the lone striker or even as part of the three, because they interchange so much, there's no kind of, this is going to sound daft, but there's no discipline about where they're playing because it's quite yeah. fluid. But it feels a bit more like a kind of 4-4-1-1 now. Like the, the two wingers, Connolly and, and Easton, are are dropping a wee bit deeper to, to come and get the ball from the fullbacks, and it's kind of a either a four four two or a four four one one. But the the two strikers are keeping quite central, and I think actually that's probably tactical. I think that that Gullin will have been told stay in the middle. Whereas I know you're you're um, great with them, and it's absolutely right is the the peeling off all the time. But I, I feel like that's almost part and parcel of that structure that we played, where it's so fluid. There's no direction about where he should be um but the I, I, he was really unlucky yesterday not to get a goal there was a couple of times where he he kind of came close and that was definitely one of the cracking header good save and with we i mean rovers fans know about um fulton from the, the cup final last year and his heroics and um, it's a good goalkeeper kind of kick a ball um but apparently that doesn't matter now um but he's uh yeah jamie gullen was really good and I actually really like the fact that we've got um, Jack Hamilton in there because it shows what we've been missing, that striker's instinct. And I know Stanton's there as well, but that striker's instinct of following in the header, and he's no standing waiting, he's right in on top of him, and so's, so's Stanton. So when the ball breaks, it's a bit of a stramash, but but poking it into the bottom corner, um, yeah, it was a good I think, um I think both of your points are come back to the same thing, which is that Jack Hamilton's a big number nine. As much as Jamie Gullen's wearing the number nine, Jack Hamilton is your archetypal big number nine, and it makes sense to other players when he's there because they know what they're doing. So when you've got that um, Jack Hamilton, you say it's your four four one one, 
Jack Hamilton's up front. He knows what he's doing and everyone else knows what he's doing. The the sort of unit behind them, whether that is any of the following. So you've got Jamie Gullen, Lewis Vaughan, Callum Smith, Josh Mullen, Dylan Easton, Aidan Connolly. I've probably missed others. They're all more or less doing the same thing interchangeably. So they can all move around. The problem that we had last season in particular was that at any given time, you had to kind of pick one of them to go and be the the, the forward. And a lot of the yeah. time that was Jamie Gullen. And that's where you get into trouble because when he goes into the channel, there's then a, a big kind of glaring hole in the middle. And then the, the second part of that is when the ball drops in the box, you've got four or five guys like Sam Stanton who are all thinking, oh, is it me? Am I the one who's supposed to put this in the back of the net? Whereas again, last night, He's like, nah, nah, Jack's here somewhere. He's going to smash this into the goal because that's what he's there for. And he knows, I can just let, I can take a step back. I don't have to try and force this home because the big fella's there and he's going to do it. And it's absolutely Jack Hamilton so integral to making all of that work. Speaking about Jack Hamilton, do we think that the third goal from last night is the best goal of this season so far? Certainly the weirdest goal of the season so far. Yeah. um, I think it's probably the, the best finish yeah. I can't think of any others it's, I mean because it's an incredible finish it's just really really good technique might be our only one from outside the box this season I can't think of a another to be fair we've, we've, we've had a lot of kind of goals from good play and interchange and stuff I can't think of another kind of sweeping strike from the edge of the outside the box but for anybody who wasn't there and didn't see it live and it doesn't show in the, the highlights they've got three subs ready to come on Right, so actually four, sorry, four subs lined up, ready. It might have been three at that point, and they chucked on a fourth when the goal went in. But he's got the subs lined up. The the linesman is on the halfway line, which is, you know, where he should be anyway, but that's also where he would be for a substitution. The board's out, so the kit man or the physio or whatever it is from there has got the board for, for putting up the numbers for the substitution, and they all stop for the substitution. We take the throw in, and the refs obviously wave to play on, but if you actually watch, I think it's um, who's the midfielder that's in the middle. I can't remember. One of them is like pointing and then turns, and he just <laughs> just buries it in the top corner. But they're all still waiting for the substitution. So we do we do love a wee weird challenge cup goal. Like you think back to the uh, who was it? It was. Um... Allen. Is this the one that Lewis I, Allen scored? Yeah, uh, Lewis oh, Allen. Uh, I was going to call him um, James Allen for a second there. For I, some we're going to have to go to numbers. We're going to have to call the players the numbers. Uh, We've lost but, our names. names that, but first names yeah. are like are like forward players. They're interchangeable. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, there's Manuk. Um, <laughs> but I uh, the one against who was it? Was it? Um, one of the Someone. But um, yeah, just where it, they thought it was like offside, they stopped and then he just nips in and gets a cutback uh, for that goal. But yeah, um, again, to speak about Callum, just really quick thinking from him. He looks at the ref, checks it, and then he just goes, he doesn't hesitate. He's not sort of, he, for a player that's playing in his second professional game, there was no naivety there. He was very switched on to sort of just look at the ref. I'm all okay, go right. Let's go, and you can see him giggling away at himself at the goal, just laughing uh, with the others. But ah, brilliant. Yeah, won that I... one with a good bit of good bit of positive play as well. But just to to quickly the the kind of controversy with that at the time, I thought the same as all the Hamilton players. I thought, oh, they they were making a substitution. So what's that? I thought they they had a real right to be aggrieved. Looking back at the highlights, 
the referee actually is very, very clear, but then nobody's paying attention to the referee because he actually he whistles once and he points to the bench. But then you can see him looking and he whistles again and he motions to Callum Hanna, the only player who's looking at him, to say, all right, okay, you're fine. And then I was reading this morning, was it Aki's fans in the main stand saying that John Rankin told the ref he didn't want to make those subs? Oh, really? So they were actually being critical of their manager for saying that. And then it's the players not, again, not paying enough attention to what's actually happening. So, because he does, and again, when you see in the highlights, the ref quite clearly, he whistles once to stop Callum Hanna, points to the bench, and then it's that's at that point, John, uh, yeah, um, John Rankin has said, no, nah, no, nah, it's fine. So he whistles again and waves play on, and it's just that none of their players have noticed. Um, John, did you want to come in on that one? No, I, I, I was, I was like the Hamilton players. I was wondering what the hell was going on. I was sort of because they all seemed to pause, and then brilliant, as you say, uh, Callum Hanna takes a throw in. Jack Hamilton has a look up and pings it away, and it, as everybody said, it was a brilliant finish, and. Uh, just what we needed from him, you know. It'll do him the world of good. It'll do Callum Hanna the world of good. And great. And I was away getting there. At that point, the the game, I mean, it really looked like it was going to settle into a, a proper kind of training game. Because it, it was at this point, the 3-0, Hamilton really just gave up the wings completely. Just decided to defend, you know, the width of the 18-yard the box. and. Um, I mean, uh, especially on the well, our right hand side was the side of the stand that I was on. Um, Connolly and Millen were basically just kind of getting together to have a wee meeting about what to do with the ball. Just, just no, nobody putting any pressure on them, swinging the crosses in. You're starting to think this could be this could be anything, and then up pops uh, Dario Zanata with a, an incredible goal. Um, Lovely to see. Yeah, Scott, this one I'll come at you on this. Do you think that's better than Jamie Hamilton? What the hell? <laughs> I was going to say, everyone's we getting off. never recording on a Saturday name. morning again. <laughs> if we were really professional, we'd probably edit this out. <laughs> better than Jack So Daniel's an eye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no I, well, I, I'm just going to be biased. No, it's not, because uh, it's an eye. So... Uh, <laughs> No, I get a fair play at him because Zanata's it's on his weaker left foot and he's just pinged it into the, the corner. No chance for any keeper to save it. It's a perfect strike. But no, I, I think uh, I think another reason why I think uh, that Hamilton's is better is because that is not what we have signed Jack Hamilton to do, is ping balls in for 20, 30 yards out. He's there to be scoring what he scored the first goal in and around that six-yard box, a scrappy goal, which we wouldn't have scored last sort of season. Just goals that he's going to be there at the right time and uh, will probably fling himself into positions that people might go, oh, that might be a bit dangerous or that doesn't look comfortable for me. Um, So, no, I think uh, my only gripe was we kind of stood off Zanata a wee bit for the goal, but like at the same time, I'm not expecting Zanata ping that with his left foot into the top corner. So uh, at the same time, we're 3-0 up as well. So now fair yeah. play um, for taking it on. That's exactly what I was going to say at that point. When Zanata kind of gets to the, the edge of the box, um, Liam Dick and Callum Hanna kind of stand them up. See if you could freeze frame that. 
And then you came to me and you were like, right, how are you going to defend this? I would say, right, just both of you just block the shot on his right foot. And if he turns inside, he turns inside. That's fine. He's not going to ping it into the top corner for 20 yards on his left foot, is he? Uh, so fair play to him for, for doing that. Because that, um, yeah, excellent technique. I mean, he's really struggling for, for game time with him. So he'll have, uh, he'll have enjoyed that. Um, but I think that that kind of reinforces the point I was making earlier about reserve football. I've actually just had a wee look while you were talking. He's played 68 minutes this season, total, yeah. including 29 minutes last night. So prior to last night, he's played about half an hour of football all season. But he's been playing reserve football. So he can come off the bench and he's not, I mean, he's maybe not going to be fully match sharp and all the rest of it, but he's not coming in completely rusty, even though he's not played. Um, but yeah, it was, had we been, you know, had it been one each, I'd have hated that goal. But at that point, I was like, I go on, Dario, why not? Take it. Uh, me too. I was like, ah, oh, well done. Yeah, go on yourself. Get some more minutes next week. He's a, he's a nice lad. I'm surprised they're not finding more use for him, to be fair. In League One, when they're winning a lot of the time, you think you, you should be having a fair bit of the ball. You're playing part-time teams a lot of the time. I'm I'm surprised they're not getting more use out of him. I just, I just feel like he'd, Firstly, I don't think he fits into their system um, with the way that they play. I think that Rankin quite likes to utilise big players at the top. Um, they've got some good forwards as well. I mean, O'Hara will score goals at that level. You've got uh, Joe McGlynn as well, who's came in from down south, I think. Um, and I just, he doesn't really, as I say, fit into where they're at. He's very much a confidence player. Like, I think that anyone can sort of see that when he goes on a run and he gets going, then he's unstoppable. But as soon as the the pelters start coming out and there's questions asked, then you can see it sort of almost becomes self-fulfilling. And again, I, I mentioned before about players trying too hard. I certainly remember the last spell that he had with us where it would be like he'd get in a position where he might have been able to lay it off, but instead he's trying to look for a goal because it's almost like he's trying to prove a point in the sense of that he's wanting to get a goal and gets confidence up and then shut people up, which is fair enough when you're in that position. But yeah, you can see he's where he's at, where he's at for a reason. Um, and it's consistent across different teams. And again, he'll probably, he probably will leave Aki's at some point, find another club. Um, and then a manager might be able to get a tune out of him. And I hope it does work out for him because he's a really good guy. But yeah, just there's, Again, the consistency is the main factor with him, and we all know that. So, yeah. I was going to say, ironically, I don't think anyone's ever accused him of trying too hard. Um, yeah. I think <laughs> the other bit of his game that's probably lacking. Um, he's he's great when you've got the ball. He's one of those, we've obviously chatted off here and stuff about Rangers, Louise, and everything in the past. And he's kind of in that kind of mould for me a little bit in the sense that he's a wee bit of a luxury like he's good with the ball yeah. and he's he's good attacking wise but he doesn't work hard enough and and certainly Murray like nah it was done with him pretty very like very yeah, much that was one of the first decisions that he made I think after yeah. like it was very quick into the season as far as I can remember that he was like nah not for me not getting games so yeah yeah that's 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 why I'm surprised that Hamilton aren't getting because if if you had to put Darius and I anywhere. I think it would be a team that's doing well at the probably top of League One. He's going to get he's going to get on better there than he is in a team that's that's kind of battling out every week. So um, I'm a wee bit surprised to say that they're not finding finding more time for him. Um, right, let's let's wrap up with the fourth goal then. So Dylan Easton had been, I think, threatening to do that all evening, 
really. Um, he was picking up a lot of space, especially after the the red card. He did a couple of wee goes where he tried to almost, um, a bit like he did in that very first game against Dunfermline, just um, sort of rammy his way through the defence. Um, like it's a knockout style, just kind of crash through and get get away with it. Um, and he gets a shot away in his left foot, a little bit, um, a little bit unusual. Um, Robbie, why don't you just keep the uh, keep the baton and uh, just give us your thoughts on that goal, and we'll uh, we'll finish up on the game from last night. Yeah, it's just um, it was a great great goal from Dylan. Um, I feel like I say this all the time, but he's got it in his locker just to be able to size players up, take them on, and uh, that's exactly what he did, and um, effectively just killed off the game. Um, there's no other way to put it. Just managed to get by the the lad and. You can see him straight away what he's what he's intending on doing. So fair play to him, and I hope that he can get a run of games just consistently. If he can get him from the start and just being able to have that, um, it'll be in- very interesting to see how we go next week. But we'll naturally have the preview podcast of looking towards that. So yeah, uh, fair play to him. Absolutely. Um, anyone else want to come in with anything else on on that goal, or indeed anything else from the uh, from the game last night? Yeah, the the goal. Um... At the game, the ball seemed to make a funny noise as the boy blocked it. Um, I don't know if you guys heard. You it. can hear it on the highlights, actually. And I didn't notice that. I did. I do actually remember sort of thinking. I, I listened to the highlights, and it's almost like a, a fud, like when you yeah. hear, like it's like a, a very weird sound. Is, it is. Um, but as you, as everybody said, he had the, he had the shot in the first half that nearly collapsed the guy from the. And he blocked it for a corner, and he was uh, he was aiming to get another goal. I think that, and uh, it was um, it did it seemed to take a funny noise, and I don't know if that kind of just kept it out. The deflection kind of kept out the the goalkeeper's reach, but it was good to see it going in. I think that when you talk about the first half, John, if you actually if you I don't know if the, how far back the highlights go in, on that one. Um, but it was a beautiful bit of play for Dylan Easton. Yeah. He, he picks the ball up and he faces up the two defenders who are kind of both in front of him and he skips between the two of them, shapes up, and then he's going to curl it with his right foot into the sort of far right-hand side, so keeper's left. And yeah. to be fair, if that defender doesn't get the head to it, keeper's never saving that. Like, it was it was destined um, for the back of the net. You could see that a little bit in him yesterday as well. Like, he was loving... The tra- he loves those training game kind of feelings. It was the same against um, Montrose, obviously, before he got injured. He loves that kind of, like, getting the ball and standing on it and waiting and then kind of moving again and just, it's well, we've talked about it before, he's, he's a dick, but I love him. So good. It's he's- like that against uh, Joe Chalmers in the last derby. Like, exactly. The one player that they had that, again, looked like he was in a training game in one of the most important games for them this season. And he just gets absolutely rinsed by him because he's sort of standing off him. It must be Duncan, the feet of and defenders. Duncan, there, you've got your trail done there. Uh, Blair loves Dick. <laughs> <laughs> the left back. It's more of a harder fan. I am. Uh, right, let's move on, uh, <laughs> I think, probably for the best. Um, next round of this competition, we will face either Airdrie or Morton at home. Um, they kick off in a, a few hours uh, from now as we record. 
Uh, and Blair, I think you've been doing a bit of uh, bit of opposition research. You've you've got something to bring us on this one. So yeah, not so much to be fair. I was watching a um, someone on YouTube had popped up on my my phone this morning. I was sitting watching it, and you know when a YouTube video finishes, it's like it, it recommends like the next one you might want to watch. So it was Doogie Emery's pre-match interview, and I I don't know why I did it. Because I can't stand the guy, but I thought I'm just going to. I wonder what he's got to say about tomorrow. And it was honestly, he opens up with the question is, you know, how do you feel about the, the tie against Airdrie uh, tomorrow, Doogie? He's like, I think this is a competition we can win. I'm like, what? You're in the quarter final against a team that's above you in your own league. And he started talking about, you know, and and the next round we, we're going to play either Hamilton or or Wraith. I'm like, you've you've not even played Airdrie yet. You're Definitely know the favourites to win that game. And it was just such a juxtaposition because I'd already watched... Actually, it might have just been Murray's interview. I think that's maybe what the, the video before was. But Murray's kind of... Yeah, it was a really good night out and doing a really good performance and we got minutes into the boys' legs and we take it one game at a time and we're in a good place. And I just think that that level of professionalism in the interview that Murray gives and then you juxtapose it with that flipping cretin along the road... He is an absolute, and I'm I'm going to say this. I hope he listens. He's a moron, absolute moron. He's, he actually then went on to go. Oh yeah, last week we were the best best team on the pitch, but unfortunately we lost. Um, and the last time we played Airdrie, um, we were the better team on the pitch, but unfortunately we lost. And I'm like, at which point do you do you go? Unfortunately, he's not good enough. Yeah, it's like, like, a lot of uh, misfortune for them this season. The way you make it sound is like he's some like GB News no mark presenter that like puts out these hot takes that people like click on. Like, I can't believe this. I can't believe he said this. And Dougie Emery's like, yes, our YouTube channel, we can get uh, subscribers soon. This is going to be great. He has yeah, players, right. players shooting the uh, shooting the viewer uh, numbers through the roof. <laughs> Dougie Emery's YouTube clicks. Um, Right, so we'll, we'll see who uh, who comes out of that. I mean, it's one of these things where I'd, I'd rather play Morton, to be fair. Um, yeah, it will be Airdrie. Airdrie are, Airdrie are very good. It's going to be Airdrie. I mean, Airdrie are just a, a better side than them. And it's quite funny to read the the, the Morton thread on Pie and Bovro and the, the meltdown that's going on there because their fans have just been, frankly, there's a few of their fans that are completely up themselves um, over the last few years. And they talk about being the famous and all this and that. And obviously you get his lighthearted humour, but... Aye, uh, when you read stories about how they're potentially having to go part-time and how that might be the best and try to pull out the, the sort of situation there and how other clubs have got investors and you just think, aye, tuck it in, lads. Enjoy yourselves. Cheery bye. Hopefully you are off and fucking down in League One next to Queen Interesting the other pie as well. Our growth going down to TNS. And have you seen the odds? Gamble responsibly, ladies and gentlemen. But I've got <laughs> some money on our growth today. I got them. I got them at nine to one last night. Yeah, I mean TNS they only scraped through against um, against Fife, and I don't think Declan McManus is. I think he's injured just now. Who's he's like, meant anyway. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's one of these things. That they, they is it the Champions League that they qualify for? Yeah, uh, it's certainly it's... European competition. <laughs> it's like well. Aye, because you're you're playing social clubs every week. Like that's that doesn't count for anything. It's not like they're playing the Champions League and winning. I mean, he's, come... played, he's played for six months from the Lowland League at this point. They are yeah. they are hot to trot on the way down. They're looking rotten this year, and took them 
I mean, and the thing is as well, East Fife, let's look at it for what it is. They're not a club with a huge amount of money. They've not gone down and stayed in a hotel before that. They'll have travelled down on the day. They'll have got down to the game and then played that match. So they've been on the bus for seven hours or something. And they get down there and they, I think it was nil-nil, wasn't it? They write, they take it to nil-nil and it goes to penalties and they get beat on penalties. And, and, and Arbroath are going down and they'll probably be doing the same thing. But Arbroath are a country mile better than East Fife. Oh, aye, aye. nine to one is wild. It is absolutely wild. Um, right. Um, I was going to say Q now, Neldo. John, uh, let's come to you for a minute or two, um, because the Hall of Fame is on Monday night. Obviously, loads of hard work's gone into that. Um, so why don't you just give us a little bit of a, a preview of the evening? And um, are there any any tickets left? They still available. So a few tickets left, so um, they're available at some boy Hopcroft's Emporium down in, in the Port Bray. Yes, um, it's shaping up to be a good night. The guest speakers, are th- for me, Paquito's the main guest speaker. Um, uh, so he's he's going to be there. He's flying in from the Canaries, obviously, um, with our newfound... Uh, Love of everything in the Canaries and Las Palmas, and uh, he'll be he'll be on the stage speaking. Um, we've got Gary McAllister and John Barnes, uh, both who have times to tell of footballing tales of Scotland and of England. Um, it'll be interesting hearing uh, John Barnes's take on his time at, at Celtic as a manager. That might be quite entertaining. But then, obviously, we've got the inductees. We've got Tommy Hislop from the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Then we've got uh, Gordon Arthur, who's a great deserving person to go in the Hall of Fame. Then Danny Lennon, Jason Thompson, the original Ginger God. Uh, we have the the new Ginger God will be on the stage as well. Callum Hanna will be there. So that'll have Bobby running along to get his tickets now. Uh, he'll be on the stage as well. And then we've got Grant Murray as well. Now, one of the inductees as well um, is we always have the Ali Gurley inductee. Now, Ali, Ali was the a driving force behind everything to do with the former players and also to do with the Hall of Fame. So that's always a, 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 a great moment. Uh, we're going to have a... I think we'll have a minute's applause for... Uh, People that we've that's passed away recently, and and Gordon Wallace, um, one of our former players, passed away last week, and uh, so we'll we'll have a minute applause for him. So we've got the usual suspects: Bill Leckie's the host, and he does an impeccable job. Uh, John John Robotham will be there, and anyone coming along. We also have the the wonderful. Should I say wonderful? No. Uh, Jim Leishman's going to be there. We've got a little pantomime baddie. Yes, pantomime baddie. Once, once he stood in a brown coat sweeping the stage as the curtains opened, turned round and it was him with his Dunfermline scarf on. That's right. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you for that, John. Um, so yeah, so that's Monday night. If you would like to go and you don't have a ticket yet, you can. Uh, is it House of Hopcroft, Home of Hopcroft? Um, 
on the high street um or i think you could possibly also get them on the website but um if you go race rovers hall of fame the uh, the details for that will come up um but as always we are going to finish today with our big question and today's big question is all centered around an update that um i think a lot of people will have seen came out yesterday not too long before the game the the very first update to the club 1883 members and um i have to say i was i was really impressed with this uh, just in terms of when the the first kind of big pitch for for the club 1883 um was made by uh, by Andy Barman in particular he made a big point of it being uh, transparent and it would be very clear in terms of what the club has been doing and and where money's going to go and at the first step they, they seem to have lived up to that so there's um a bit of information from both Andy Barman and uh, John Potter uh, in terms of what they've been up to and what their plans are. And then a whole host of um, statistics and numbers uh, across a whole host of different um, points. So really just to to kind of give us a chance to talk about some of those, uh, I'm going to ask you gents to give me your, uh, your, your favourite point or a, a point of note from that update. And uh, let's start with uh, Robbie. Let's start with you, please. Oh, I, I'm I'm very fortunate to be going first because uh, there is a a, a good uh, amount of information here in the uh, the document that's been sent out to the members. I think the first place that we we naturally need to go to firstly was the uh, most viewed in terms of the social media uh, and Twitter. It's it's ridiculous to look back on it, but the the immediate introduction of the re-signing of Liam Dick, which has subsequently meant that we had. 10 million views for a Scottish Championship club, which I don't think even a Premier League club in England is going to be getting that on an average post. Um, the interactions on social media, there's, um, it's gone from 8.9 million in 22-23 season up to 33.2 million um, for this season alone, which is incredible. It's absolutely incredible that. So just reflective of the good work that the club have done. Um off the pitch and sort of getting that awareness on the go. Um, so well done to everyone involved. And it's just great to see how that sort of where it was last season to where it is now. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Just to echo that, the, the, the numbers as well, the 22-23, they were massive, by the way, because when I was involved, we were about half of that, mm. like in terms of views and stuff, because it was, you're just obviously you're only catering for your own fans. But the the numbers in twenty two twenty three were were a big jump on previous, and when you look at, I mean, eight point nine million to thirty three million, it's mad. So I don't think it can be understated as well. Just actually, how important that is. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff early doors. You know, when when the guys came in and they were talking about, you know, we're going to do a lot with the social media stuff, and obviously Rory was was key to that. And I think there was a little bit of cynicism and a little bit of snark around you know, Twitter views don't score goals and all that kind of stuff, which obviously they don't. But that's how you communicate to your fan base. That's how you set the tone for everything that you're doing. And absolutely, it does sell tickets. It absolutely does. There's people who are seeing that during the week who are coming to games that wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, so absolutely, full credit to, See, to everyone. To, to go back that. to that as well, just briefly, I know that Blair's mentioned that before that like the social media would always been a bit like reserved in it. Yeah. Um, I know that social media likes don't score goals, but if you score the goals first, particularly when they're 90th minute winners in derbies, and then you release a picture of two former players bowing at the feet of King Lewis Vaughan, it is 
really, really funny um, to see that. So, yeah, just as fans, you want that. And I get that. We said that after the last derby. You, you put out bold stuff and it'll get thrown back in your face. But it's still what you want for a, a game like that. You want to see stuff like that. You want to see things. Because you can just have a bit of a laugh with it. And if it gets thrown back in your face, so what? You've been bold. You had a bit of interaction and you had a good laugh with it. So, yeah, all for it's it. how you engage your next generation as well. Like That's the other thing. I, I, I had a big push when I was um, doing it about trying to get Instagram because I was like, the kids are not on Twitter. They're on Instagram. Yeah. We need to get on Instagram. You look at the number for that, 75,500 last year, 2.4 million this year. And then the other thing that, and I'll be completely upfront about this, we talked about it and I went, nah, I'm too old for that. It was TikTok. Was, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. It's a step too far for me. I kind of do that. Um, but they've, they've been started engaging on TikTok and stuff. And there was the video this week with them rolling the coins. Oh, it's brilliant. Really clever as well. Here's a little bit of the video. If you want the full thing, get yourself over to TikTok. Um, yeah, really clever for the club. It's a, it's a, fundamentally, it's an entertainment business, and it all adds to, to the entertainment. That's it. Um, Scott, what have you picked out for us, please? Um, I've kind of gone with more of the on-field sort of numbers that I took for it, and uh, just because we've spoke about it nearly every week, and I just think it's you have to keep reiterating it is the whole how many goals we're scoring late in games. So last night, again, I know it wasn't a winner or anything like that, but again, we scored a 90th minute goal. So we're now up at 13. We're not even out in November. We've scored 13 goals after the 75th minute. That To me, that's mental how many goals we're scoring late on. I think it goes to show also how fit our guys must be this season compared to what they've been in previous seasons. So obviously, fair play to the guys like... Uh, Blair who works with them day in day out and obviously the players themselves are keeping themselves going as well because there's not many teams I would say outside of the top six in the Premiership that are fit enough to keep going for 90 minutes all the time so I think uh, Dundee United are really the only team that also score kind of late goals in our league so look at the two of us are flying high than now at the top of the league it kind of just shows you if you can be a fit team and keep going for 90 minutes and you get your rewards at the end of games when teams are tiring out so I'm I'm hoping that this trend keeps going but uh, it's it is quite uh, it was quite cool to see how many goals we've actually scored late on so that's just what I picked out of it well, it's John Potter in his update specifically says that they've used uh, Club 1883 money to kit out the gym and they've got some watt bikes and a dynamometer. I don't know what a dynamometer is, but the the dynamism dynamics are off the off the charts. I'm sure. I'm glad we're able to measure that in the gym every day. It's paying there was, dividends. There was one stat in there in the playing one that really stood out for me. So if I was to pick a player this season that I think to myself, it does well, he's decent, but he could probably work a wee bit harder. Would be Josh Mullen. Right, and I don't think that's a wild thing to say. You look at the running stats, um, total distance running first with Sam Stanton, right? 211,192 meters of running, right? Josh Mullen is only 11,000 meters behind them, so 11k behind them. But, um, Josh Mullen has run 200,000 meters for the Rovers this season in second place, but he's first place in high speed running, so they're obviously measuring the difference between like sprinting as opposed to to just kind of jogging or whatever and josh mullen's 15 
thousand meters, so fifteen kilometers of sprinting this season. Josh Mullins first, and he's four thousand ahead of Callum Smith, who's a player I would say runs about mad constantly. So it just shows you, I know nothing. A huge uh, distance between Josh Mullin and the rest there. And yeah. it's like 50% more than, than Louis Vaughan's doing. Which, yeah. as you say, you wouldn't necessarily see that with the naked eye, but it really, um, really proves the, the power of work that Josh Mullin's doing. I wonder um, if that also has, sorry, to say that he's covering also for a bombing forward Ross Mullin more than mm-hmm. what uh, Callum Smith is for a sitting back Liam Dick. I don't I, know I, if that's... that's I don't know if uh, that's the main thing for him going, oh, I need to get back, and then he's sprinting back every time. But I don't think anybody's ever said that he's never worked harder in it. It's just no. a case of it was a little bit surprising, as Blair said, to see the jump in the numbers with him. But uh, no, it's good to see that he'll get recognition for that, and people will see that and go, oh, maybe if I am giving him a bit of stick, then I know he's at least putting the work in. I'm not just being um, see see yeah. to go through the stats actually talking about the plain sides one. I don't know. Uh, now this is quite a common thing, but I might be being daft here. But since we've got three losses, who were our losses against? We had Airdrie, Hibs. Who was the other one? Mars, I guess they're quite counting. Putting that down to the Dumfermline game on penalty. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that that's the only other one. Oh, I'm not having that as a defeat. I'm not having that. Ah, as we're unbeaten in Derby's lads. Suck it up. <laughs> Nah, let them have it. Let them have it. They hey, need... that'll be pinned up in the training ground this week, so <laughs> we sorted. James McPake out with a boombox over his shoulder. <laughs> the um the only point I wanted to bring, because it's on the same point there, Sam Stanton, uh, 211,192 metres. 211 kilometres. It's also the exact length of the River Tay, if you take into account every single twist and turn. So Sam Stanton has run for the equivalent of from um, from Killin all the way up past Aberfeldy, and then he's ran along the bank all the way around, all the twists and turns, all the way up to the Tay Bridge. It's the effort that Sam Stanton's put in for this football team this season. That's why he's the best player in the Championship. And it's only November. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's actually the bit of it. These stats are actually, they're only up to, I think it was the 31st of October it said that the stats were, were taken. So... Like, that's the first, what, three months of the season? That's mental. Yeah, I'll be running the Nile by the time we get to the, uh, get round to summer. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, John, anything that, that stood out for you? Yeah, I, th- I think we're talking about engagement with young people um, and the social media has been tremendous, but shirt sales as well. We've got a young boy sitting there in Holland wearing a, a shirt there and the whole thing of that um, that strip, the way it was designed, the story behind it and everything, has engaged with so many people. And was there not a statistic about how many shirts have been sent to the Canaries as well? Yeah, we that- had individual shop views um, from people in the Canary Islands, and I think it was, yeah. I mean, it was a solid number. It was about like, um, yeah, 726 individual shop views from the Canary Islands, which is frankly ridiculous given none of these pub people probably knew about Rafe Rovers before yeah. anything uh, about that cat. Like the other the other thing is is as the man that cleans the beer line, I'm happy that tenants has uh, been drunk very well. Um so so that's good. And the hospitality figures are up quite a bit as well. So so, so yeah. 
it's actually quite nice as a Rovers fan to know that I've contributed to some of the statistics. <laughs> on this one I've, uh, I've, yeah, I've sunk a few tenants at Stats Park this season. So, yeah. um, all very positive, and as you said, um, Duncan, the, the fact that the money that they're contributing has been spent well and the gym has been great, and uh, that'll help with what did they say, rehabilitation, but but also preventing injuries as well. So, yeah, they, they um, they made up a word there to be fair because they said it would help with rehabilitation and prehabilitation which that's yeah. not a thing, but I understand what they mean. And uh, and to be fair, it's very important. And they've got socks. And they've got socks as well, yeah. Grippy uh, socks. I know that uh, I know that we've, we've sort of mentioned this sort of thing, but I, again, it's just one of these things where you just try something, see how it works, um, and just where it goes. So I, I've, I've not personally bought any myself yet, but again, if... Maybe someone needs their socks desperately. So, ah, just got to see how it goes. But the other big factor as well that's mentioned is the average attendance is up, you know, and that is season ticket sales are up, average attendance is up. So, brilliant. And again, average attendance is up by more than 50%. It's not just up yeah. a wee bit, you know, going from, going from 2,000 to nearly 3,300. Oh, there's big games and stuff. It's a smaller sample size, but you, you really can't... Um, can't understate that. Uh, and Blair, anything else you wanted to add in um, from the uh, the download we got from the guys yesterday? Yeah, they, they, I was going to mention the attendance. I think the the attendance versus the season tickets. I know I know away games will come in. Away fans rather will come into it. We've had Dunfermline and we've had Dundee United and stuff, but we've got five hundred more season tickets sold this season. But the average attendance has gone up by about twelve hundred. So it kind of shows you the difference in terms of people coming in the door. Um, and even if it is away fans, it's still money in the club. Do you know what I mean? Which is great. If we can fill that away stand every week because teams want to come and watch the Rovers, then all the better. Um, but I actually just, as a point about the whole thing, the, the whole collective thing, I love the transparency. It's something we've always asked for. It's something that we're always told we're going to get. And then we get little snippets here and there. But I mean... They're literally telling you which... I mean, Coke sells more than Iron Brew. Steak pies sell more than Scotch pies. They don't need to tell you that. And and to be fair, nobody really cares. But it, I think it just... It shows the the, the message. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commitment to... You're contributing to us. So we're going to let you know exactly what's going on. It's um, interesting as well that um, Andrew Barrowman mentioned in it that the, the kiosks are now 100% and the money goes back into the club mm. um, rather than being a, a sort of outsource catering where we are getting a cut of it, uh, which is, is great to see. Um, so, yeah. Listen, I'm under the impression it was basically a flat rate previously. Mm. So the the operators of the pie stall just paid their over as a flat figure and then, you know, took what they took. So, out 100%. Bring that in-house. If you can if you can make it work, which certainly these guys seem to be able to, then it absolutely makes sense. And and to your point, Blair, I think the it's the spirit of transparency as much as anything else. You know, it's just that openness, the willingness to communicate. Yeah, I mean, because I think what we understood by transparency previously was you would get one sit-down video with someone from the board maybe once every six months. Yeah. Um, whereas this is just... It just it, it's it's setting new standards as much as anything, and as always, 
but it has to be a continuing thing. You can't just kind of drop one of these things once and then, um, you know, hope everybody's satisfied forever. There needs to be a continuation of this. But as we've said before, we can only go on the evidence we've had so far, and it's all been uh, all been pretty positive. So I think that will bring us to a close for today. Uh, so thank you again, everybody, for listening. If uh, for some reason you've chosen to watch us on YouTube, I still find that odd, but thank you. And uh, remember to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. If you want to see uh, Robbie's patter, you can also follow the podcast on Twitter as well. And we Not will be... Not just me. Blue well, chips in as well from today. <laughs> the important thing is to know that it's not me. Um, and we will be back uh, later in the week, I would assume, probably Thursday, where we'll be looking forward to Friday night's big game at East End Park and talk through um, the various uh, selection headaches that Ian Murray has. So, as I say, thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you again soon. Bye-bye.